0: And so I thought, hey, what better way for us to close out this series than to hear the heartbeat of our house from the man himself, Pastor Bubba. So will you stand? Let's give honor where honor's due to Pastor Bubba as it comes.
1: All right, y'all sit down. It's kind of gross, y'all standing like that. All right.
0: So this this is going to be kind of a different uh, service than we normally have, and, and that's because we're just going to kind of have conversation and we're going to give you all kind of an inside look into honestly, a lot of what happens on his couch in his office between me and him all throughout the week. And so we thought, Hey, this would be a great opportunity for us to kind of share the DNA, the core values and the heartbeat of our house is just to kind of have a conversation and and bring you as kind of a spectator. You did get some notes. Did y'all get some notes? Wave them at me just so I can see. So we'll let you kind of follow along. Good deal. You can follow along with where we're at. But I thought before we go any further, um, Pastor Bubba, you've been here 17 years, um, going on 18, and so you've been through the ups and downs of this church. What are some of your most memorable
1: moments here at the church? Oh, my gosh. Um, I guess some of the most memorable is uh, this morning I had uh, Miss Jean Letchworth. Y'all don't know who she She didn't mind. And I remember the first time I ever met her. And we were talking about looking for a building and some land and stuff. And she had a beer and a big cigarette. <laughs> and, uh, and just seeing what God has done in her life. And then, you know, one of the neat things is her husband, Kenneth, became an invalid later on and uh, was confined to a wheelchair and she actually took care of him for years and he wanted to get baptized so I remember getting like a a big glass of water and just baptizing him with that water in his wheelchair and and just seeing things like that and I think about when Tracy and I and the kids came in the first time in the green van we were driving to the Holiday Inn we had no idea what to expect and I remember our first service we had 19 people half of them were my relatives and one was an (laughs) ex-girlfriend And uh, so you
0: just never gets, know. Did she get saved? She,
1: yeah, she, her and her husband are saved, <laughs> serving God. And so it was neat. I gave her a Bible. I, I gave that girl a Bible. You bring up a girlfriend. Actually, I got saved, and I went to her house when I got saved, and I gave her a Bible for her graduation gift. And um, God used that to touch her life. Awesome. So, awesome. but I think, you know, Josh is just, I look back and a lot of the memories of just going to the Holiday Inn. I mean, I remember going there and right across from the Holiday Inn was a bar. And sometimes we'd have night meetings and uh, like on a Thursday night, we'd have midweek meetings on Thursday nights. And some people came in that were drunk. And uh, one time the fire alarm went off and go, hey, the fire of God is about to fall. You know what I mean? just. And um, I remember just, I remember when Pastor Josh came uh, he couldn't hardly grow any hair on his chin, and uh, it's true. And, and, that's uh, why I
0: don't shave it anymore. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> this it, it, is
0: but, 17 but, years worth right
1: here. <laughs> but, but what happened is I look at a lot of people that, that have just come. I mean, you know, the, and it's kind of neat how God just connects. I mean, I knew Lindsay when she was in junior high. Her mother brought her to me to counsel her. and uh, And then I remember you know, uh, just being at the Holiday Inn and just seeing the connections that God brought. I remember when you started playing the guitar, you were really just starting to learn. And Zach and then and, and Pastor Jamie, well, you, I, you don't know this, Pastor Jamie's a big man. He used to be a bouncer at Cowboys and play football at McNeese. And I remember when he came to be a part of, he used to be our children's church. Kids listened to him. <laughs> And uh, now he's our campus pastor in Eunice. And then and Zach, you know, you you were the first youth pastor, and Pastor Josh did a, a great job. And then Zach took his place and then became worship leader, and then we sent him out to uh, Crowley and just celebrated this week with them. Uh, this is past week, three years. They had 286 people for their three-year anniversary. Y'all give it up to God. there's just people's lives being changed. But the the greatest thing that I... If I just have any memories, it just, when I look around the room, I see changed lives. Yeah. When I look around the room, there was people when I first came told me that I shouldn't be here. Yeah. I remember there was pastors that didn't want me to be here. And I remember one looked at me, pastor, I, I, told, uh, I had a guy, I goes, are you called? I said, well, what's the difference between being called and sent? I've been sent here and uh, there's no difference. And uh, I just, I, I remember just my wife and I, when we look at old pictures, I and mean, we were we were younger, and we came with four kids, and uh, you know, we came here. It was a faith journey. We didn't have a promise for tomorrow. But we knew God was going to take care of us, and you know, like Pastor Josh said, we were at the Holiday Inn and we got to the point we go, We want our own end. And uh, just the journey and how God brought us even to this property and just a miracle that uh, when you look at the property, you know, we started with 3.46 acres. And the cool thing is, we had six and a half weeks to come up with the money. I called Columbia Golf, who used to own the property, and I said, I got a great deal for y'all. Why don't y'all give us the land? And they go, What, what kind of crack have you been smoking, son? <laughs> and. Actually, they, they had a price, and we actually bought the land and the, the building. There was a little warehouse where kind of where the bathrooms are uh, now, and we bought it for $100,000, and we needed another 30-something thousand, and we, God blessed us with that in, th- in six and a half weeks. And I remember when Pastor Jacob called me. They were building their, big, their, their first camp, their first building in, in Broussard, and he said, Bubba, how, how are you at? I said, well, we got the money, but we don't have, I don't need money for chairs. I don't want Have you called everybody? You called everybody you know? I go, Pastor Jacob, I've called everybody. You know, do you know someone who hadn't called? And he goes, you, I hadn't asked. He goes, you hadn't asked me. And I remember the Art Church gave us $33,000 to be able to buy the chairs, to yeah. finish up sound. And for them to give that amount at that time when they were in the midst of a building fund, that was like giving like $250,000 away. And so... That's just kind of the family we are. And I, I look at all those things and the journey along the way, just how miracles have happened through it. It's a miracle journey.
0: Yeah, so one of the things that we wanted to do was uh, share a little bit of who we are and kind of the DNA of our church. And so you're going to see six kind of spots on your note cards um, for six values that we have. So uh, I'm going to share the value. I'm going to share a scripture that goes with that value. And then and then I'm going to give it to Pastor Beau for you kind of elaborate a little bit on. So here's number one. Number one is we are accepting. We are accepting, this is uh, in First in John, uh, this is what God tells us in First John through his word. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. And just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. So two times he tells us, very repeating. I, I read a statistic today, um, actually this week, that said that 87% of millennial, unchurched millennials are unchurched because they perceive that Christians are judgmental. Mm. 87% of, of millennial unchurched. And so, um, so what that tells me is that most people that are unchurched look at the church and think that our role is to fix them more than love them. Mm. We want to fix them first. So, Pastor Bo, how do we as a church change that? Why is this a core value of being accepting first, loving people first? And, and what do we do as a church to change this 87% so people don't feel this way?
1: Well, we our desire is we want to make people rich where they're poor. And what I mean by that is like there's some people that you you come, we all come from different backgrounds. Come on. You know what I mean? We all come from one side of the bayou or the rice field or whatever, you know? But we all have different backgrounds where we've come from, even religious backgrounds, even religious hangups or things that people told us when we were young and we saw. And so we know that God loves people. And one of the first things that I did when I became a Christian is like, when I became a Christian, I I got saved. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Two days later, I was on the strip in McKinley Street in Lafayette sharing people, sharing with people about Jesus. And that's been my heart. And I went to Bible college. That's actually where I met the, the greatest, the, uh, the person I love the most here on this earth is my precious wife. And we met each other at Bible college in Texas. And what we did for eight and a half years, we did a lot of inner city work all across America. And just loving people. I mean, from different backgrounds. And I remember just, I lived in Salvation Army centers, mission stations, and just uh, college campuses on the streets. I, I, I was in 42 different states in every major city in America working on the inner cities. And, just, and God really began to show me this how much he really loves people. You know, anyone who genuinely loves God, they're going to demonstrate it to people. Come on. And, uh, you know, simply put, you mean the cross to Jesus, that's how important you are. And when you're, when you're at your worst, God is at his best. Yeah. How many of you, you can say, you know, Pastor Bubba, I did some stupid things in my life. Only five of you. The rest of yeah. you are lying. <clears throat> okay. How many of you know that many of us, you know, before we knew the Lord, we just had a spirit of stupid. <laughs> We just followed the crowd. We did what culture did. We partied because other people partied. We want to be the life of the party. Well, no one can outdo me. I'm going to outdo you. I'm going to be funnier than you. I'm going to do all this. And then what happens is we come to the place we say, you know what? I really want to change, but I, I can't change myself. You ever been there? Yeah. And, and you go, you know what? I, I, and then you begin to hate the person that you've, you've become. And then you go, I want out of this. And then all of a sudden you see you're at your worst, and all of a sudden God comes and you begin to hear somebody. Someone comes and shares with you. Someone comes and talks to you, or you see their life. I remember seeing a guy that was the craziest guy in our whole school. He was my, my one of my best friends' big brother, and he was into taking. Uh, he was doing camera work. And he was uh, uh, He made a dark room, and I remember his mother. He was upstairs, and his mother Miss June didn't even know that he was making this dark room, and he painted his entire bathroom black bath the tub the sink everything his mama went upstairs and she decked him when she saw what he had done but I remember when Dean got saved I mean he was just like I was like that dude was crazy but man now he's like he's totally the other way for Jesus now and I saw that it was real it was authentic and he just started loving people and that's what we want to do we want to demonstrate God's love for people how many of you know that that many of us we're looking for love in all the wrong places sometimes. Yeah. But when you find someone that going want to use you or abuse you or take advantage of you and just wants to point you to a place where you can find peace, joy, you can find freedom in your life, that's what the gospel's all about. The gospel means good news. I've got some good news for you. You don't have to keep living the way you're living. You don't have to keep doing what you're doing. You don't have to follow culture because culture will say one thing, but you know on the inside that's really not how you should be living. Am I making sense here? Yeah. And so for every one of us, you know, why do why, I believe that sometimes that people come because it's about religion. It's not about a relationship with, with Jesus, Josh. And I think religion turns us off because it's we got to go through hoops and jump through loops. And relationship is like, you know what? I, I, wow, I get to love God, yeah. and He really likes me. Right. He likes you so much. He died on the cross for you and me. For the Bible says, "For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross." And some people go, well, you know, I just don't think, listen, if you have insecurity that God likes you, it's the cross. That's a symbol of love. Amen. And he didn't just stay at the cross. He rose from the grave to give you power, over, to have a, a lifestyle of power.
0: Amen, amen. All right, number two, we are authentic. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. This was actually Paul writing to the Corinthian church, and he tells them, hey, listen, follow my example. Um and, and one of the things that we try to do here I think as pastors and then as leaders is uh to live in such a way that we don't just live what we preach but we try to preach what we live hmm. and we want to imitate Jesus and and have people be able to look at our lives and go they're not perfect but they're following Jesus um and so talk to us a little bit about one of the things that we talk about is we we value character over charisma there's a lot of people that are very gifted very talented but they have no character in mm-hmm. their life. And we know that character will keep you in the game. Yeah. I mean, we're 17 years in this. Um, I know there's a lot of churches, a lot of people around here that have fouled out of the game. Um, they had great gifts, but no, no character. So why is character being authentic such a huge value for us?
1: I believe that, you know, you can have an anointing of God. But, if it, you know, what eliminates the anointing of God is you have a lack of character. And so what happens, your gifts and your abilities may open doors for you uh, and opportunities, but only godly character will keep you where God puts you. And see, what happens is we live in a culture that celebrates talent or charisma. Come on. Wow, they can, you know, he can juggle five dogs at one time, you know. And and, and it's like we live in a culture that celebrates that, and so we've got it kind of backwards. Talent, it's, it's like this, talent depreciates over time. What do you mean? Uh, Just like our bodies. I'm 57 years old now. I used to be tight, right and tight. Now I sag and drag. (laughs) Okay? That means that things that used to, you know, you you used to could do and everything, but there's a a depreciation. The older you get, you just can't. There's just some things, there's some borders that are going to give up. Uh, You know what I'm saying? And and what happens is, is that we have, and see, I believe this integrity or character appreciates over time and for eternity. Mm. And so... Character is, and in, in, in integrity is, is your legacy. It's what you leave behind. Integrity is your destiny. You leave that behind. You know, it's like you have some people in your life that they had tremendous character. You know, I mean, I, I, I think about there, there's a guy I'm trying to think of his name is uh, was a young golfer in uh, Bagger Woods or whatever his name was. He was a and went no, not Tiger Woods, another guy, Bagger Vance. Bagger Vance. Okay. And he was 28 years old. And he had so much integrity. He had won every... He's, he was the greatest golfer, they say, that ever lived. At 28, he had won more more things and all that. I'm not a golfer. I just... If I go on a golf course, I'm looking for ducks and geese. But anyway. <laughs> but I read the story. But what happened is that he came to a point... And, and, and what happened, he had so much integrity that there was, a, there was this big tournament, and what happened, he accidentally, they, they're not even sure if he touched the ball or if he accidentally touched the ball, but he lost the tournament by one stroke because he was not sure if he touched the ball or not. And he had enough integrity, he said, it wasn't about me winning the tournament, it's about me doing the right thing. Yeah. And see, integrity is not what you see, you know, behind the scenes, but it's who you are in God. And see, we, we, we need a generation that sees people that are willing to say, you know, they have integrity. They have character. It doesn't matter what happened. And it's like sometimes, you know, Pastor Josh and I, I've been so authentic, I've gotten in trouble. When I go home, my wife goes, you, you shouldn't say that, Baba. You know, and it's like she's not getting on me. Me too. Okay, all right. And, and it's like, and, and it's like I've even had people go, I can't believe he said that. Me either. But. But one of the things that, you know, that we strive to do is that let people see that we're just like you. We struggle with the same things you struggle with. We walk through the same doors you walk through. You know, there, we get up in the morning just like you do. But I, I've learned this, you know, serving God for 37 years, I've learned this. It's like I might not be the most talented. I might not be the most gifted. But one thing I want to be is I want to be faithful to God. Yes. Amen. And, and for every one of us, it's not about... I mean, we didn't start this church to be the biggest church in the area. We started this church because we, we wanted to honor Jesus. And he, and he deserves not only my best, but he deserves my all. And we want to have a place where people can come. They can feel safe. They can feel secure. And they feel like they've been successful in their walk with God and find a, per, a personal, intimate relationship with him that they can actually grow. Because how many of you have just been frustrated sometimes with your life? You know, or where you're going. Even in your Christian walk, how I many you know that sometimes we can get dry, we can get things, but that we can come and we can tell people, man, I just there's some mornings I've gotten up and I go, I just don't feel like reading the Bible. <gasps> Pastor Bubba, you? You too? Yeah. But sometimes some mornings I just gotta press through. But you don't know what that's gonna do for you that morning. It's it's creating an, a time where you spend with God, and then God, when you spend time with God and you have time with people, let me tell you what happens. God can speak through you. God can use you when you spend time with him. So,
0: Amen. All right, number three, we are enjoyable. We're enjoyable. Uh, Psalms 122 verse 1 says, I was, everybody say that word with me. I was I was glad uh, when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So notice it doesn't say I was sad. When they, anybody said, your parents said, let's go to church, and you were sad? Anybody? <laughs> Nobody wants to be honest in here. See, okay,
1: all right. I remember one time, Pastor so. Josh. He goes, he goes. You know, Pastor Bubba used to do drugs, but my, my, my grandmother drugged me to church. Yes,
0: I was. Uh, church was a place you endured, not enjoyed. Whenever I was growing up. Anyways, but that's not the case for us. Hopefully, uh, we want to have some fun. So, over the last seventeen years, what's kind of been the most enjoyable things? You look back and most fun, most memorable.
1: Well, I talked to y'all about Miss Joyce, uh, Miss. Uh, Miss Jean, but Miss Joyce was here for the first service. Joyce at Etienne and she was over there. You know, I did Mr. Kenneth's funeral and I remember she goes, Pastor Bubba. Ooh, that was good. Pastor Bubba, that was such a good Everything you said for Mr. Kenneth's funeral, Pastor Bubba, you need to say that for my funeral. And she looks at me, she goes and she goes like this, she goes, and wear that suit. <laughs> and uh, you know, and it's just you know, it's like I mean, uh, there's some funny things. I can't say some of the funny things. But <laughs> I, I remember there's times where, you know, Pastor, that was a great message. You need to zip your fly. Um, uh, me too. Yeah. yeah. Me too. We've had, uh, you know, we've had times where the power's gone out here. We've had, we've done service when there was no air conditioning. You know, I remember when uh, Rita hit, we had a mile, a mile long line. The, the joke was Walmart ran out of pa- uh, toilet paper. We had toilet paper here. Everybody had the run to our Savior's church. <laughs> Think about it through. Think that through. That doesn't sound good. But, uh. You know but you know it's just in, in, the, in the thing that I've loved more, more than anything is when people just get together and serve you know it's just, it, it, there's there's equity and sweat for Jesus you know I, I, there's been times when there's been storms just recently with the flood, you know there's been times when we've gone through hurricanes I and mean, we we have a lot of experience with hurricanes over the years and storms our church. And and just seeing, just being able to serve and just seeing people, sometimes at their worst, but at their best. Their situations are terrible, but they're at their best in their spirit. They're at their best open, being open with God and just seeing, you know, when everything else is gone, it's just God, you know? You can lose everything, but the one thing you can't lose is God if you have him. Mm. And then you find out what you really have when you've lost everything. And, you know, I think, you know, it's like, I I just think of some of the joy of just watching people and uh, some of the things that's happened. I've seen kids tell on their parents sometimes. You know, just like, you know, and and like you've seen people walking in the church and you see them kind of fussing in the car sometimes. And, you know, you could tell they're arguing and they come to church and it's like a spirit of joy gets over them when they see you. You know, you you go, oh, there's Pastor Bubba. Uh Uh-huh. You know, uh uh-huh. We got a little marriage situation, you know. But I love it when you see young people. Like this week, it was kind of fun. I hadn't done it in a while, but I went and spoke to the youth group this week. And we had a great time. And I, that's what I used to do for years and go to schools and speak in schools, red ribbon, blue ribbon, whatever, and, and did uh, Bible clubs in 33 different schools and different parishes. And, and, it's like, and it's like I walked away and I felt like, man, I'm not saying it in proud way. I'm going, man, I still got it. <laughs> And, but one of the cool things that I'd never seen, I was telling Pastor Josh and my wife, I said, you know, one thing I'd never seen when I asked people if they wanted to give their life to the Lord, there was not one girl that raised her hand, but there was eight young boys. And usually the girls are more sensitive. They feel things and, you know, hey, I want to, but it was just, it really, it impacted me and it made me think, you know, we need to raise up men in our house that are godly men that can be examples to a generation that's come out of it so important the next generation
0: which actually leads to number four which is that we are family we talk about this all the time you'll people hear us talk about spiritual family and here's talk about spiritual sons and daughters uh psalms 92 says they are planted in the house of the lord they flourish and so there's something about when people get planted into god's family how their family begins to flourish. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I mean, you've been walking with Pastor Jacob for 37 years. I've been walking with you for 17 years. Um, we've got a number of people that have been in this church for that that long of time as well. Um, what is the power of being tied to each other in relationships, and, and what does that mean for people that are here that are maybe brand new into this and are coming into a church where we've been together for a long time? So talk a little bit about that. What that's, what that what's that been like for you, walking with those relationships for that long, and then what does that mean?
1: Well, you know, the scripture you gave, just going back there, they're planting the household, they will flourish. And I think that you and I have talked about this before, how people have come in sometimes, and people come into the church, and they feel like they're a pot plant, you know? And it's like they're holding their little plant, and they go, well, I'm going to see what y'all smell like, see what y'all sound like, see what y'all do, and I'm not going to get planted. You know what I mean? And, and instead of getting, getting, putting their roots down, I, I like. I heard someone say, you got to get rooted to get fruited. And it's like there's some people, you know, because they've been offended or things happen or someone said something or they changed the color of the chairs or, you know, they voted on the carpet or whatever. We don't do that around here. You don't vote on us and we won't vote on you. Is that all right? (laughs) And so what I, I believe that for us is why family is so important. When I think about longevity and family, like you're asking, is that I think about Billy Graham. When you say Billy Graham, there's this there's this like, wow. Billy Graham's been everywhere, but when you look behind the scenes, he's he's had people that walked with him from day one, the first crusade, and the newest guy that had been on his team had been there 20 years, so longevity means a lot. I believe in the word covenant, and what that means, and a lot of times that's a word that, you know, kind of gets thrown out there, but covenant means that I believe in walking with people. I believe when Pastor Jacob led me to the Lord and discipled me, we, we were connected. He's been my spiritual father. We're only a, like a, a two years apart, year and a half apart, but he's still been someone that that it speaks into my life, and into my family, and into my marriage. And 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 then I have other people like uh, Brother Clady Keith, who's been my, who's my spiritual grandfather, the guy that led Pastor Jacob. Lord. you've had people like uh, Pastor Jim Lafoon, that's been in my life for twenty years. And and I believe that I believe you know I believe in longevity. My wife and I have been married now for thirty three years. Come on, and you know there's just something about. Walking through that. That, that. Look, we've never, you know, like I've told people, I said, we've never, I've never used the word divorce. I've thought about murder once or twice. But, <laughs> but you know, it's like, but I actually, I mean, I love that woman. She knows me better than anybody. And, and, and the thing I love about my wife is that she's genuine, she's real, she's, she's authentic. And she's a great mom. She's got a gold string going through her brain that has wisdom on it. And sometimes I don't want to admit she's more wise than me. Thank you for that, amen. I heard that. Uh, but I thank God for that. I mean, when God puts couples together, different ones of us have different strengths, and different ones of us have different weakness, and we should complement one another. Marriage is about becoming one. It's just which one. Anyway. <laughs> you didn't get that. But, but I believe that, you know, why is that? Because, you know, when I look at Josiah up here in the front, I remember he, when he was born. Me he's too. Like, yeah, you, do too. you were there. I wasn't. I was after seeing. But anyway, but, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it, it, it's like I see him and I think, you know, there's a future for him one day. There's a future for our children. Yeah. When I look at that and it's like, I believe that every one of us, when you come here, I believe it's, we're building not just for now. We're building for generations. Yeah. And you see what happens is we, we build different ways. We build relationally, revelationally, and generationally. What does that look like? And so, why do churches fall? Why do they stop going? Why? Because they don't build generationally. They don't build for the next generation. And one day there'll be, uh, you know, one day I'll be Paul, Paul Bubba, you know, a Papa Bubba, or old man Bubba, or whatever I am. And then there'll be Pastor Josh, and there'll be someone next to him. Are you hearing me? It could be him. It could be someone else. I don't know. But we know that. And it's like in every one of our campuses, we're always looking. You know, it's like you know, how do we build? For the next generation. We want, we want, we want, I believe this. When, when you build generationally, you build, I believe that the church is here for a lifetime. Think about it. Our church has been here 17 years. I've been in England churches that have been there. I preach in churches in England that have been there for a thousand years. You think they could give you a little perspective about church? Mm -hmm. And, and it's like, you know, just what we're doing is just It's incredible. It's it's amazing. It's a story. And we go look at it. We we started humble small beginnings and now now we have three campuses. And 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 it's like I I would encourage you if you've never been to the Crowley campus, get up one morning, sleep in and go at ten o'clock. It's downtown at the Rice Theater and go and see what God is doing at that campus. It's amazing. And if you want to go and, and, and eat good barbecue in the afternoon, go to the, uh, you know, 1045 in, uh, in Eunice and go see Pastor Jamie and Cheryl and see what God's doing there at the Eunice campus. We just celebrated 10 years a couple weeks ago. And, and it's like just it's amazing because, you know, what God is doing is so much bigger than what he's doing just right here. Yeah, it, He is. And. Um, you know, and I'd encourage you, just do that. Just go and say, hey, I'm here. And they go, who are you? Uh, you know, and so, but uh, it's neat because I come now, I used to know everybody. Now I look at my wife, who's that? She goes, I don't know. I go, Josh, who's that? I don't know. And so what's happening is God's moving in people's lives and touching people's lives. And I believe that we, as we grow bigger, we grow smaller. That's the beauty of life groups. That's yeah. the beauty of of freedom groups. And I've seen what God's done in freedom. I mean, it's amazing what God has done in freedom. People have literally, God has really just set people free. And because they've been set free, they're, they're, they're not ashamed of what they used to be or their life or where they, have because let me just tell you something, look at me, your past is your past. Right. But when you come to Jesus, you know what he does? He erases the past. He washes it with his blood. And then what we do is we live for today. We, you know what? I want to be obedient for today, what God's told me to do. Tomorrow will come, but my past is my past. My past is not going to keep me from doing what God wants me to do today. Amen? And Amen. some of you, you need to get out of your past. What do you mean? <laughs> Quit allowing the enemy to tell you who you are. Remember this. You don't fight for victory. You fight from victory. Yeah. See, people going around, I got to get the victory. Jesus already won the victory. You fight from victory, not trying to get it. You fight from it. Amen. I'll shut up. Sorry. Amen. Sorry. <laughs> Philip, preach. Anyway.
0: When you start leaning forward, that's when I know you're going into another mode.
1: It is, isn't it? <laughs> Casey, yeah, uh, yes, yeah.
0: All right, let's move on. Number five. Uh, we are generous. We are generous. Uh, one of the things we try to be here at our church, of course, is as generous as possible, um, which First Timothy, Paul was telling Timothy to tell the churches, tell them to use their money to do good, that they should be rich in good works mm. um, and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they would experience true life. Now, the Bible makes it really clear that everything that we have is, um, is a gift. Our marriage is a gift, our finances are gifts, our children are gifts. Uh, Every talent that we have is a gift, and that we're not owners, we're stewards of those. And so we know as a church that God has given us people, which is why people are so high value to us, because we're stewards of every person that God brings in our church. But we also know that every resource that God brings in our house, we have to be wise stewards of that too. Um, And so as we tell our church to tithe, to give to our church, we also give give a lot of that away. Right. Why is that? What's the heart behind us being, trying to be as generous as we possibly can?
1: You're never more like Jesus than when you, when you're living g- generous, when you give in- generosity. You know, one time we did, we, we went around town. We were buying groceries for people. Remember that? It was years ago. Some of you were, buying were here. Buying gas. Huh? That's right. Yeah. It, we were buying gas for people. We had this one lady and, and she, you could tell she was like, she was on her last 10 bucks and she gave it to her daughter, and we were going, all right, we were kind of filming it. And we had all these gas cards, like $25. And I, go, I went up to her and I said, hey, and I said, how would you, what would you feel like if I just came and said, I'm going to fill up your gas tank? And she goes, say what? <laughs> and I interviewed really, you know, I sat talking to her, and after a while, she, her daughter brought the $10 in. She goes, dollars, bring that $10 back. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, and it's like, it was just—it was just neat. We were people were at piggly wiggly. We bought some groceries for her. Burgers. They couldn't even believe we were doing. We just went around just see what, how people would respond if we were generous. And I think that you know we believe Jesus is you know telling the truth when he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Yeah. When I go to when we go to Africa, I know you're, we're planning a missions trip. I know Crowley Church is going to Kenya. I think you're going to try to do something for the summer uh, in South Africa. You're never, let, let me just say this. You just don't realize the effect you have. We, if you go to Pastor Billem's church, give me an example. If you go to their campus in Pontestrom, South Africa, we've, we've been able to help little kids with orphans. Like Damon went there with me, uh, a couple, you and I, yeah, and Sia and Luke were there, and they actually helped build homes for these, these couples that were build, uh, raising orphans in their homes that we're a part of. We were able to, if you go to their church, their prayer tower at their church building, our Savior's church paid for that. We built that. So you go there, and in, in the townships where there's kids, and I mean, my son Andrew lived there for a year, and he had long hair and a beard, and he went with, I went with him one time, and he was delivering clothes, and they go, look, Jesus is here. Jesus is here, you know, and... Um, and, and it's like you just see that. And then and with Kenya, with Matthew Murray and, and, and Becky, you know, this year through all of our campuses, we've given almost $25,000 away to the orphanage in Kenya to help dignity projects for girls that, that when they go through their, 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 their time, uh, they, 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 they understand hygiene and they give them a pack of underwear and hygiene things that they can, so they don't have to miss school. And, and they're teaching them dignity because in that culture in Kenya, if a man wants you, he can have you. And so they're teaching them that you ha- you're valuable, you have dignity. And so those are things that we do. And, and it's like, and I think about, you know, I, I'm gonna be going to England in a couple of weeks and it's like, I have the opportunity. I'm not just pastoring here anymore, I'm pastoring other people in other countries, which is mind blowing. But to see the impact of what God's done, and it's like, we don't just give 10% around here, we give more than that. And our desire is we wanna be a generous church. How can we tell you to be generous if we're not generous? And you know the Bible tells commands us to to tithe. It's it's not an option in my in my book. If you know it's like if someone gave you 10 skittles and got Jesus go here's your skittles. I just want one back. That's easy. But when it comes to money it's a different thing. And, and it's like I believe that for every one of us is that you're never more like Jesus until you become very generous. And that's you know, and it's like we, when you look over the years and the, the, the reason we're in this building is a generosity. This building right here had a guy call me when I was sitting in a chemo chair doing chemotherapy for my cancer. And he called me and he said, hey, I want to give you all matching funds. He said, whatever you can raise in six weeks, I'll match it dollar for dollar. How many of you were here? You remember that? And it's like, and I remember I said, well, I don't need six weeks. I need seven weeks. And he goes, all right. And then after seven weeks, we'd already started the building. And we built this building. We pay cash. Mm-hmm. There was just different things like that. And I think about just how we got the first hundred thousand dollars to buy the building and like I shared earlier, and just and it's been along the way. It's been the generosity of people that just felt God spoke to them. And that's one thing. We never want to pressure people. We don't want I don't want to tell you a sad story and start showing you pictures and you go, I gotta give. <laughs> you know, or wind you up, ah! you know, you get so wound up, we got to and I have this long speech about giving, it should be something, God speaks to you, and you hear God's voice and go, you know what, that's what we need to do, we need to walk in that.
0: Well, we're in the middle of building the kids' building right now, so why don't you give us an update where, where that is, right. yeah, because I think we haven't heard the latest okay. as far as what's going on. How many on you there? like
1: to know where we're at on the children's building? <clears throat> okay, all right, This is where we're at. When we started Reach three years ago, a little over three years ago, we had a, with three things. We had three buckets we wanted to do. We wanted to plant a new church in Crowley. The first $200,000, we raised, let me just say this. In three years, we raised over 500, was it 500 and a half a million dollars. How many you, that's a lot of money. Okay. How many of you like to have that in your pocket? Okay. Well, it depends on what you do with it anyway. And so what happens is we, the first 200,000 that we raised, we gave it to the Crowley campus to start. The second thing is that we did is we gave $80,000. It didn't just happen all the time. We just, as it came in, we gave. Uh, $80,000, we we invested into the Eunice campus. And to enhance it, they had to do some remodeling sound systems. And it's ungodly how much things cost. It's just crazy. And then then what happened is we sort of, we had money left over, and we sort of built in our building here. Now, when I say we, that means all three campuses gave toward this. Does that make sense? It wasn't just this campus. And so, and we, we try to find where, where's the biggest need. And so right now, what we've done, we've spent a little over $200,000. We've got that shell built, the plumbing, the pre-plumbing, the pre-electrical, all those things are done, ready to go. And people go, well, where are we at? Well, we got the air conditioner bid in, and I almost had a massive heart attack. It was, the bid was $72,000 for air conditioning system. And you go, what is in that air conditioner? Is there gold in there? And, and I remember we, we had to go back to the architect and do some things, make some adjustments, and we brought it down to $42,000. How I mean, that's a good adjustment, uh-huh. saving 30000 We saved $30,000. So where we're at in that, we need, to, we need right at $200,000 and to finish it out. Our goal is to try to finish it out by the end of the year. By, you know, and so I would love to be, this is what my, my dream would be, to have the children actually before, but my long-term dream would be in there before Easter next year. Are you hearing me? I mean, we've got everything ready to go. We know what we've got to do. We know how much things are going to cost. But uh, we're just at a point. And, and for us, is that's where we, we're going to do a miracle offering. What day is that? November 12th. November 12th, where we're just asking people to start praying. And we're not going to do a money series or anything like that. We're just going to say, hey, this is what we're believing for. Ask God what He would have you to give. And we're believing by the end of the year, hopefully we can pay that out. We've seen God do great things before because we've had people come and give us. Went, we had a gift this past year of $30,000 someone gave us. Another person, we found out we had some kind of some money that came in. that was something we had done a while back, and it was $55,000. And all that went into the building. You know what I'm saying? And so that's where we're at. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Donkeys shake their heads. <laughs> We're just asking you to pray and ask what God, what you could do. And that's what we'll finish. Because let me just say this. How many you know when you come here, you know, you know what? We might, down in the future, we might have to build a new sanctuary. Yeah, okay. We can go to five services. Or we can build a new service. No, I asked him the first week. I said, man of God, because, you know, I really want to be the one. And I said, man of God, I got to be here, you know, because. And, he, you know, Pastor Josh, he's ready. And I go, how was it first service? Said, Pastor, it was like running a marathon. <laughs> and so, you know, it's like, that's where we're at. Hey, I just, I believe this. I never want to put our, our church in a place, a position where we're just financially strapped. You understand what I'm saying? And so, how I mean, you know, if you own it, you own it. Come on. Okay. Difference yeah. between the renter and the owner, right? Yeah. And so, that's, that's where we're Amen.
0: at. Amen. Amen. I believe we're full of vision. The God's going to give us some provision.
1: Amen. Hey, number six, last
0: one is uh, we are powerful. We are powerful. Matthew sixteen eighteen through 19 says, on this rock, I will build my church. This is where we get this title of this series. I think it's a great way to close it out because Jesus was possessive of his church. And so we need to be too. And this is what happens when he builds his church, that so the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about being a powerful church. And. Uh, it's not us being powerful, but God powerfully working through us to see change lives. Uh, that What we're seeing right now uh, is a miracle. I think we're a miracle in motion as a mm-hmm. church, um, just seeing what God's doing, healing marriages. Just even the
1: growth we're talking about. Yeah, just we were. seeing,
0: for those that don't know, we've gone from um, about 400, 500 people, and in three years, gone to about 1,200 people, which is just a miracle, of course, in motion as God's changing lives and and one of the things that we talk about behind the scenes and I don't think we talk about this a lot in church is we want to design services that don't attract people we want to design services that attract God Mm. and when we attract God God attracts people Mm. and and how the presence of God is irresistible that's right and then when people encounter the presence of God we want to create a service where people are encountering the presence of God so one of the things that we do talk about, though, a lot, is that the local church is the hope of the world, mm. and and people will go, well, isn't Jesus the hope of the world? Yes, He is, but He uses the vehicle of the church to bring that hope to people. Mm. So, talk to us about why that's so important, because we're going to be planting more campuses, we're going to be growing our churches. We're going we went to three services; we'll be going to four and five probably in the coming years. Um, why do we make those sacrifices? Why is it such a big deal for us uh, when it comes to that?
1: I believe, you know, as Christians, there's two things that we have that other religions don't have. Well, other religions have it. One thing is hope. Another thing is, is resurrection power, okay? The resurrection is powerful. That We know that Jesus was crucified, that he cared enough for us, that the, the value that you have is called the cross, and then he died on that cross, and they put him in a grave, and he rose from the grave. But the incredible thing is, I was reading about it. This, if I want to put it in a sentence, you know, Jesus saved my life, but the church saved my soul. Mm. And, and, and what happens is, I was reading it this morning. It's in Acts 4.13, and it merely made me think about this morning who we are and where we're at. And it's like when Peter and, and, and John, they were walking by they were going into the gate beautiful, and as they were, there was a guy that was a, a beggar, and he was lame, and he began to ask alms or began to ask them for money. And, and remember the they, they famous quote, silver and gold have we not, but what we do have we give to you. And what happens, they prayed over him, and all of a sudden, the man that was lame that everybody knew that walked by to get into that gate, all of a sudden he rose up and he began to walk and leap and shout. Now, how many of you know that might freak out some religious people? And the religious people hated the disciples. But the one thing, because the Bible says they were jealous of them. They were jealous. But in in, in verse 13, he said, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were were astonished. And they recognized they had been with Jesus. You know, there's a difference when you've been with Jesus. And it's like, I think about our culture. You know why I love this, this area, this culture? It's just simple people. We come from a culture that can be religious, a religious culture. But I, I found that when people come to know, have a relationship, get out of the religion and find Jesus, all of a sudden they're hungry for more of what God has for them. And they believe in miracles. They believe in the power of God. And I believe that for many of us is that, you know, we can look around this room and we go, you know, I know, you know, I know what they were like before, but all of a sudden they go, wait a minute. They're different because they've been with Jesus. Mm. It's not because they've been to our Savior's church. It's because they, they've met Jesus. Yeah. And that's what Pastor Josh and I, you know, when he's talking about that Jesus, the Bible says if I be lifted up, Jesus said if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Yeah. We don't want to draw people to ourselves. That People that have talent and charisma can draw people to themselves, but yet leave people disappointed. We want to be like good hunting guides and point you to where you can get the most where you can get. We were saying, hey, this is where it's at. That's what I love about, you know, when I think about life groups, I think about freedom groups, I think about your journey. It's making those steps to find God. And I believe that for many of us in this room this morning... The reason you're here is because some, God has done something in your life. Either you saw someone's life change, or you came because someone invited you, and all of a sudden, God began to touch you. Let me ask you. Let me, let me just do How many of you came because you were invited? Just raise your hand. Okay. Wow, look at that, Pastor Josh. Look around the room. Okay. How many of you came because you just heard something? Something going on over there. They got music and smoke. No. No. <laughs> Or, or maybe you heard about someone that really got radically changed. You go, I got to go see that. Anybody like that? Mm-hmm. Come on. All right. There you go. And see, let me just say this. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make people that are spiritually dead alive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's our heart. And if Jesus saves your life and the church can save your soul and then you can do life with others... You know, it's, I believe this, is that the greatest impact that we can have in people's lives is just loving them the way God loved us. You know, when I look around this room and I, I look at people and, that I know and what God has done in your life, I'm just amazed. Because you know what? You know why you know the Bible is not written by men? Because there's imperfections in this Bible in people's lives. Peter would have never denied Jesus if he wrote the book himself. Hmm. Are you hearing me? And then I look at Pastor Josh not that said, we're not that good. <laughs> we're, not that, we're not that smart. It's just God. I remember the first time we went to a church growth thing and we looked at each other. I looked at him and he said, well, man of God, everything they tell you you're supposed to grow a church, we did wrong. We just, we, I mean, we just loved Jesus and God just knew we were just trying to love him. And so let me just say this and just wrapping it up. If you're at a place in your own life, we can talk about all these things. But here's the heart. The heart is this. If you know Jesus, he'll change you from the inside out.